Hello and welcome. This is IdeaGen TV, powered by Azure and presented globally by Microsoft. Today with us, we have a fantastic panel led by Kathy Chang, who is the Business Development Manager at Summer Discovery. With that, Kathy, I'll pass it over to you. Thanks. Thanks, IdeaGen. Welcome. I'm Kathy Chang, Business Development Manager at Summer Discovery. We're excited to share our power panel today about innovation education as part of the IdeaGen Cloud. Today joining us is Esteban and Caroline. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hello, Kathy. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, I'm Esteban Olivares. I'm the Director of Education Development and University Partnerships at Summer Discovery. I've uh, been at Summer Discovery for about a year and a half and um, been in the pre-college space, higher ed space for 23 years. So um, looking forward to sharing my insights and having a great conversation today. Hi everyone, I'm Caroline Daniel. I'm the Director of Academics for the Summer Institute for the Gifted. Um, I work with our programs in the academic arena, working with academic operations and course management uh, and just a bunch of great stuff. I uh, have been in the education uh, world really for 17 plus years and with SAG for four years. So really excited to talk about how we bring innovation to the field. Well, great, let's jump right in. We're talking about summer, our summers and what education looks like versus our fall and kind of even spring traditional school year. So Esteban or Caroline, share us, help us share a little bit about exploration and finding passion, what that may look like. I could, I could start. Um, one thing I love about summer is that it's a time for students to kind of just explore. They get to um, discover themselves um, dive into a course or a subject or a camp or um, just really get involved in something that they really can't study necessarily during the fall and spring. And that's something I really like about summer. Um, I myself was an upward bounder in high, my high school years and every year I would go to a college campus and take a class and really kind of learn something and do something that I couldn't do during um, the regular year. Uh, and some other aspects of summer which are great for instructors and educators um, is being, you have sometimes a need to make sure that you're following certain standards and um, for accreditation or state standards during the fall and spring. And summer is a great time to kind of really just innovate and kind of do things differently. Um, a lot of summer programs do not have the pressure of grades. So the educators are able to kind of do more hands-on learning project-based learning, you know, like a mock trial or, you know, um, students are going to come up with their own business and present it. It's a little bit of a different environment. Um, and sometimes, in my opinion, students learn a little bit more and, um, you know, students want to be there. And so it's a, it's a great time. Plus, they get to have lots of fun um, with, with the right type of program. Well, that sounds wonderful. Caroline, I would love to hear a little bit about your perspective and how you approach education, what SIG looks like in the summer. Sure, uh, just like Esteban said about, you know, being creative and innovative, our programs offer that for our students. Students are usually confined to having to meet these mastery of skills and standards for grade levels and with our programs, we allow them to be creative and innovative with their thought. And 
our main focus um, with all our courses is to have students come up with something new in the field. So it can be as uh, minute as a proposal or a prototype or anything like that, but it has to be new. We just want to push students to be those innovators in the field. And another piece that we really want to do with our courses and at SIG is to really create habits of mind with our students. And that can range from flexibility, convergent thinking, divergent thinking, um, the creative problem solving process, and just bring that all together so that they can be contributors in their future. And so that's what SIG is all about. That's what our courses are all about. And they start as young as five, which is really exciting. That sounds really exciting. So is there a way for you to give us a concrete example of what this creative thinking, this innovation, like what does that really look like? Sure. Uh, with any of our courses, um, for example, we have a course called Engineering Your Future. You know, they go from understanding what are all the branches of engineering, but then they move into what is a current problem that you're passionate about. So we link passion with the world, the real world that they're in and the problems that are out there so that they can produce something new. So it could be a new idea for awareness. It could be uh, a proposal. It could be a blueprint. It could be an idea that they see for their future. It could be a need for a specific audience that is not targeted. So there is so much flexibility and they don't get to do that normally during the year. And so in our three week programs, we get to do that and really start having them just think differently. And that's the main thing is our gifted students, advanced students and any students that come with summer discovery say, we just want them to think differently in the summer. And so that's what we're really excited about. Well, thank you for that. Um, I love it. Esteban, do you have some concrete ideas and ways that we're thinking differently and we're kind of pursuing those new passions as well? Well, yeah, me yeah, as in the students. We'll definitely have some great examples. Um, when I'm thinking about in the pre-college space at the university campus, when you have you know, a professor who is normally teaching undergraduate students or PhD students and grad students, um, there's that special type of university faculty person who loves to teach pre-college over the summer. Um, and one of the innovative things that they get out of that experience um, is they kind of get a, a glimpse of what the incoming freshman class or, or what those next couple of you know, waves of freshman class are gonna look like um, because they're actually teaching you know, current freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors who are in high school. So they really get that glimpse and um, they get to prepare um, and really figure out, you know, this is what my freshman class next year is going to look like. Um, I think another way that's very specific to summer discovery, um, summer discovery, our residential life staff, um, the folks who are working with the students outside of class, um, meet them and greet them at the airport, are with them through that entire way. Um, we only hire folks who are 21 and over. And a lot of the folks who work for us over the summer um, are in the education space. So they want to be teachers one day, or they want to be administrators, or they want to work in the summer pre-college space. And it's giving them that glimpse as well to be prepared and kind of really have that hands-on experience. Um, and, you know, they're professionals. So we don't have, you know, a, 
a college freshman or sophomore working with the students during the summer. These are all professionals who are 21 and over, and they have an interest um, in learning more about the pre-college space and students and working with students. Thanks, Esteban. That sounds really lovely, especially given this long year that we've had of being innovative and stepping into that. Let's um, switch into this topic of technology and education because we're all seeing it this year and we're kind of all facing it in different ways. Could you, Esteban, could you kind of take us into that direction of how Summer Discovery is really thinking about innovation within technology and education this year? Yeah, so there's um, a lot of different ways that we're kind of embracing technology. Um, for the first time, we have an tech coordinator. Um, education technology is kind of the space where it's different than the enterprise technology of you know your IT office and folks who are making sure that all your systems are running and you know, email and all of your information technology. Um, it's kind of real focused, like in our case, on a learning management system and having um, an education technologist who really understands what that means for the students, for the instructors, um, and having a learning management system that kind of really works for everybody and makes things flow a little bit um, um, easier. Uh, one example I can take um, from my experience working at Georgetown University, I was the former assistant dean for pre-college programs. And one thing I really liked that happened at Georgetown was this idea of instructional continuity. So there was this use of the learning management system um, for both online classes and face-to-face -face classes. And this was pre-pandemic. And kind of adopting that in use for summer discovery this summer, um, where working with our faculty who are teaching face-to-face, -face, and we're gonna have a lot of that this summer, um, having all of the course content, a lot of the course content in the learning management system. Um, so that one, we have to use less handouts and kind of, you know, use that Xerox machine a little bit less. Um, information is there in PDFs or kind of digital information there on, on, the, um, on the LMS. Um, it's an interactive syllabus. All your information is there. Um, students can access everything even from a phone app and kind of really just see what's going to happen tomorrow in class the next day. Um, so it's kind of relying less on thousands of papers of handouts and really utilizing the technology um, with, with the learning management system. And in addition to that, we're still going to do online learning and we still have online courses this summer. So we're using the same system. So it's really figuring out how do you use, um, you work smarter, not harder, and really using the technology to benefit the student um, and as well to um, bring kind of everybody to this place where information is easily accessible to them. The student loses kind of a PDF pack, I mean, a, a, um, a Xerox packet. Um, it doesn't really matter because they can still access it from their learning management system. Wow, I'm not gonna lie to you, I do miss those Xerox packets. Um, but, <laughs> but with that, you know, Esteban, that was really great and thinking about learn, learning management systems and hiring a specialist on, I guess, what are the surprising challenges or the developmental pieces of education within technology that you have any tips or tricks for us? Um, one is just making sure that it's accessible. So I really like this idea from my education background of kind of um, the universal classroom theory. So that if you're kind of looking at things from a universal point of view, it doesn't um, require for you to say, well, is, does this work for 
only dyslexic students. So does this only work for students who have maybe ADHD and an executive management problem or students who can only see things through digital or students who are more auditor, auditory processors? Um, kind of taking this idea of universal classroom theory um, melds really nicely into a learning management system and some education technology because you are kind of designing it for everybody. Everybody has access and is able to, um, to get their hands on the information in a digital format. Um, and then as well, because you're preparing, you have it prepared to create um, you know, Xeroxes if you need it uh, for somebody who really does have to have it, um, that tangible thing in front of them. Um, but everything is designed in a way that you're thinking about everybody and that accessibility and access. Thank you. That sounds incredible. Yes. I think it's really encompassing to think about all of those various components. Um, Caroline, I would love to connect with you for a moment. If you can share a little bit about what education and technology and how you're innovating at SIG this year on the student side, the professional side, and what that may look like. Sure. Thanks, Kathy. We actually have uh, really embraced technology with our professional development. That has been an area that we pride ourselves so much in because it really is our, our instructors are the core of our programs and they're the ones that provide the product. And it's very important that they are trained uh, appropriately and, and really have the communication from what the vision is, what the mission is, and then what the approach is that they need to do. So with our uh, professional development, we have really streamlined it all to have it be virtual. And so this year is the first year where it's all virtual um, for all our programs. And, uh, and I think one of the big pieces of that is, you know, there's always this idea behind remote instruction or virtual experiences that is not as engaging. It, um, it lacks that, that in-person feel that, you know, we miss. But on the contrary, virtually virtual experiences can be as engaging and it has to be with the tools that you're using what tools you're using how you engage your learners over you know a video conference call uh, what they're doing asynchronously and what they're doing synchronously and that blend is so important and that's what we're doing this year we are offering that blended component for professional development and we're thinking differently in terms of you don't have to sit for eight hours or six hours, you know, one stretch is what we're so used to as teachers. I know I, you know, I had to get my hours every year and you know, it was six hours each day. And if you don't meet that, then, you know, you didn't get your credit, but you can take it in chunks. You know, you can do two hours here or you can do one hour asynchronously and blend it together. And uh, Esteban mentioned something about that flexibility and accessibility. Those are two important pieces to professional development. It's such a busy world and even, you know, while we're, you know, managing the pandemic, it's so important to understand your audience and to understand where they're coming from. You know, it's not the same type of terrain as we used to manage, you know, a year or two ago. And so virtual professional development is is such an important piece to that. And I think we're going to reach, you know, not only our our students through online learning, but also our, uh, our adult learners who are going to then uh, facilitate instruction and learning for the students. So that's one way that we've really embraced technology is through professional development. 
Thanks, Caroline. That's wonderful. I think we're all really facing the, um, I guess, the obstacles and the new experiences with this new learning on the professional side as well. Are there any really like gems or tidbits that we can take away from both as a staff member, but also on the training side? I know you talked about chunking time, but what are some other things that can also really engage um, in the professional staffing piece of it? You know, one other piece that's so important, and I've actually learned it over the course of time, just through experience, is it doesn't have to be a sit and get with virtual um, experiences. There are so many cool tools that you can use, um, whether it's like, uh, there's so many educational technology tools like Trello and Padlet and all these different things that you can incorporate into your your session that makes it interactive. And I think that's another piece is it's not just about showing a PowerPoint slide and having all the faces in a thumbnail, you know, showing and interacting. It's also including all these different tools that we can find that are a lot of them are free, to be honest, and incorporating that to build engagement and um, to have have your audience think about what they're listening to, learning, how does it apply to them? And these are the same ideas that we also include into our virtual uh, learning online courses and, and train instructors to do. Thank you. Those are some really great tips in there. Um, so that is a little bit about how we're focusing on innovation within tech and education this year. But with everything that's happened, let's take a step and just look forward for the 2022 year. What are some of the hopes as we've learned so much from, from this past year, from what we're doing now and implementing all those pieces? Um, Esteban, what are some of the hopes for innovation in education and kind of next steps and what you envision? In terms of innovation education going forward, I mean, there's a few lessons that I think we need to learn from this past year um, in, in, the, in the whole world of education. Um, by no means has equity and access been solved. Um, I think um, the pandemic has put a highlight on the fact that yeah, we can have these great um, systems like learning management systems and access and, and electronic tools, but we have to make sure as a society um, you know, not just in the U.S., but globally, that um, people have access to Wi-Fi, that they have access to Internet, they have access to the tools um, that can bring them closer to, you know, education and to engaging with the virtual speaker from the other side of the world. Um, but we have to make sure that those structures and those systems are in place. Um, that's why I really like, um, you know, what IdeaGen is doing with the Sustainable Development Goals um, and, you know, the course that IdeaGen teaches with us. Um, really kind of empowering students um, to be the future global leaders of the future global leaders academy and really giving students the tools to be you know, the architects and creating that frameworks for how we solve these inequities um, by 2030. Um, so that's something that they do with their course and that's something that um, I look forward to how we do we innovate even more. Um, I also serve on the community advisory board for Howard University's TV station. Um, you know, and as part of that, you know, we're affiliated with PBS as well. Um, PBS has done some amazing work around um, providing online videos um, for students around the AP courses. Um, they're kind of like these crash courses where students can really learn 
and um, they don't have to like log into an LMS. They can really just watch the videos as they're able and um, it's supplemental materials. Um, it's kind of information like that and access to information like that, that I think we're going to learn from what happened this past year and a half and how do we challenge ourselves to increase that access and um, equability across the board in education. There's a, there's a long road ahead of us. There's lots that we have to do. Um, but having that magnifying glass on it this past year and really um, challenging us as educators, um, you know, whether we're in the public space, the private, um, or a company like Summer Discovery, um, how do we provide that information? How, we, how are we part of that innovation going? That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. It's definitely a long road and I'm happy you are considering all of those components. Caroline, will you share a little bit from your perspective on what your vision is or your hope for the vision is for 2022? Sure. You know, there's so much to do and there's a, a long road ahead of us, but something that we've done really well at, uh, say, uh, Summary Institute for the Gifted has been offering innovative course ideas. But I think the next step to that is to really partner with industries. Uh, one thing that our students really want to do is really get into the real world applications uh, physically and tangibly. You know, uh, we do that already, but to really bring in mentorship in and connecting with industries is a huge piece of that. And I think eventually then you know, it's not just going to be learning in the classroom, it's going to be learning virtually with mentors, you know, it could be uh, in all sorts of factors that that could blend in. And so I think partnerships with businesses, industries, fields, and bringing the classroom to them, bringing the field to the classroom, that, that partnership is going to be so effective not only for kids and just expanding their horizon, but also for the business field and for the industries to really understand how they can uh, facilitate and nurture the next generation. They all were at uh, one point, you know, these students who were so eager to, to reach out and to learn more. And so what better way than to partner and give back in that same manner. We've already kind of started seeds of this with our SIG um, Parent Association. Uh, we are reaching out and utilizing the parents who are also professionals and experts in their industries to come and, you know, volunteer some time in our programs to do Q&A sessions, to listen to some product ideas that students have. So we're really excited to kind of just start some of that in a seed form and then hopefully grow that into uh, more extensive ideas in the future. So. Uh, that partnership is something that I'm looking forward to in 2022 and beyond. Well, you're definitely speaking my language. You talk about partnerships. So I love that. Um, you know, I, I think that is definitely a huge component in this ever evolving landscape of education. And as we're going to innovate and stay top of mind and make sure that we're always delivering the best in class service to our families, that we are reaching out beyond the traditional educational realms into corporate partnerships, nonprofit government partnerships, um, local in any capacity to really help grow the space. Um, our, and that's obviously what I do at Summer Discovery is create these really integral partnerships in which we're helping level up education and think about how we can create access, inclusion, 
just all of those really wonderful things we've discussed. Um, Esteban, Caroline, is there anything else you want to share as we continue this conversation? No, I just encourage, you know, businesses in our audience to really, you know, think about what, you know, how they're nurturing, you know, their own kids, you know, people that they know, um, just this next generation, you know, and if there's any way you can be a part of it, you know, even just reaching out to us on ways you can support our programs or how we can support things that you're doing. Um, I think that collaboration is so important and we learn from each other. And so just welcome you to reach out to us and, and let's start a conversation. I, I think everything that Caroline and Kathy that you brought up about partnerships is critical and key to innovation and where we go, you know, from here. Um, especially around you know cloud and AI and technology, it's really kind of those public-private partnerships that are going to take us into the future and really decide what happens next in education. Um, but these partnerships are critical to anything that's going to happen um, in in the world of education. It cannot just happen um, on our shoulders alone. It really is going to be those private and public sector kind of collaborations across all sectors that's really going to you know, help us meet those you know, 20, 30 goals towards access, inclusion, um, education, equity, empowering women and girls um, to really allow the youth now to be the builders and the frameworkers of what happens next in 2030. Um, these partnerships are going to be pivotal to that. And so how we do that is going to be very important. Yeah, and I am so thankful that IdeaGen has given us the space to really discuss this. And I think similarly, like any conversation, it starts with the ideation, just reaching out and making, you know, the first step and saying, okay, I'm not sure what I can do, but there could be something and let's talk about it. Well, thank you, both of you, for joining us today on this panel. And thank you for IdeaGen for having us. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy.